Welcome to the War and Beast podcast, the podcast that does not stalk alone because there's really scary clowns out there. I'm Greg. I'm Jordan. And I'm Kendall. And this week... I almost forgot the order because (laughs) (laughs) we're one short. We are one short this week. Uh, For those not aware, uh, it is Canadian Thanksgiving uh, today, or rather tonight. Uh, We're recording this on Monday. Uh, October 10th. Uh, so it's Canadian Thanksgiving. So to all of our Canadian listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, so John's enjoying some turkey. I had some earlier because I live in the future. I'm an hour ahead of Eastern time. Uh, and then you guys in the States, of course, have to wait another month or so. So I'm sorry, but you guys make better turkey than us anyway. So if that's consolation. <laughs> that you guys like pardon them too. Like our prime minister doesn't pardon turkeys. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, we are reviewing uh, episode 9. Well, for I'm pretty sure it was episode 9. That from everything we've been seeing, it was episode 9 for this one. It's a better mousetrap. Because uh, there are some things that were saying, no, no, it's the pro. But this makes sense in the order that it's showing. So. Yeah. Well, I'm just I'm just glad I'm just wanting to talk about uh, what happened to Black Arachnia after she disappeared at the end of last episode. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't much of a mystery to it. As we'll as yeah. we will find out. <laughs> no, I heard Megatron. He said we've got a missing Black Arachnia. <laughs> but so, yeah. It was a really easy game of where's Waldo. <laughs> Wait, there's actually trivia for this episode. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. I was, I was, uh, <laughs> I, I was, uh, there's a little bit of trivia. Hmm. Okay. Is it okay if we get into that? Absolutely. Okay, so Kendall reads IMDb. Wait, did we all two say the, the title proper? Like, I know we were mentioning between it and the probe. It's A Better Mousetrap is the episode. Yeah, okay. Or in Japan, Sayonara, Sayonara Rattle. Or goodbye, rattle. Which I yes. think is Rat Trap's name it's in Japanese. Okay, I think so. Yeah. I guess. So, because I was trying to make an unnecessarily complicated uh, recording setup, I did not actually read these uh, trivia. So, I'm going to read this paragraph here. <laughs> I haven't read it, so it's either going to be really interesting or not. So, all the listeners I- get to be surprised, like the rest of us. <laughs> when Optimus Primal searches for Waspinator, we are seeing through his eyes for a brief moment. In this scene, some symbols can be seen. According to story editor Bob Forward, they are text in Cybertronics, the Transformers language used in the Beast Wars saga, which spell out Pud Loser. Does it give any detail as to why it says Pud Loser? <laughs> See, this is the part. This is the part where where Jordan is like, I read on yeah. the TF wiki. No, it says that too on the TF wiki, but they don't <laughs> they don't elaborate. That's pretty much exactly it. And <clears throat> I was talking to a friend before who who's who's looked up like Cybertronics, uh, you know, decoding stuff before, and apparently, apparently, uh, Beast Wars is kind of known for just putting random like little calls of words there, like the the text there just to make something look there, but they're saying stuff like, you know, Kilroy was here, basically equivalent. Like, not actually <laughs> like anything pertaining to the episode itself, but just there to make make sure that, you know, something's there. 
Oh, well, it's just like uh, it's just like there's an episode in the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where there's a where there's a um, like girl who who be, who's able to become invisible because nobody cares about her, and she write and she's like reading a book, and if you pause it and you see what book she's reading, it's got the lyrics to "Happiness is a Warm Gun" in in the text of the book. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. yeah, that's some deep Buffy trivia. Wow, that I that's a deep that I actually. There. That actually, like, when I watched Buffy, I was, like, so, like, obsessed with details and stuff at the time, I think. I actually paused it on that scene. I was like, I wonder what she's reading. <laughs> <laughs> Be like a scene Another, from oh. back and to the left. <laughs> Another good in, uh, detail-oriented thing to check sometimes is Gravity Falls. Uh Especially during the Irrational Treasure episode, when they're like trying to find their, they find these files, like, and one of them is like, "Well, wow, Benjamin Franklin was a woman." But if you read the paragraph, there's like one part where it's talking about how uh, animators is a is a poorly paid job and and has <laughs> or something like that, like it actually, like it has something that has nothing to do with there. But but oh, uh, and then there's another there's another episode where like it has like a. Um, a thing talking about the like the clue finder or something like that where like uh, a person like went around trying to f- solve or mysteries or something like that mm-hmm. and at the time i thought they were just making fun of national treasure but then i remember disney produced national treasure so it might have <laughs> been more of a direct reference because they actually kind of make a joke about nicholas cage there too in it oh man when can you never? When can you not make yeah. a joke about Nicolas Cage, though? <laughs> the other, the other piece that this reminded me of, and this is much, uh, much less nerd cred, uh, although different kind of nerd cred. I don't know. Uh, I actually didn't. I didn't actually uh, pause the show and, and figure out what it said. But apparently, when uh, Sailor Mercury gets her handheld computer. Um, at one point, she pulls something. She pulls something up on her handheld computer in Sailor Moon, and it says like "RoboCop's mission objectives." <laughs> but that I want to cite my source. I learned that from the Sailor Business podcast, which is, of course, uh, the um, ultimate in rewatch, po- the premier rewatch podcast out there. So you're, there like, you go. There's the shadow. The one that sailor the one that inspired teenagers with attitude, which was the podcast that inspired us. So it's like levels. <laughs> it is so many. Some Inception shit. <laughs> now you need to put in like a sound clip of that of that gong. I will have to put that in. <laughs> Note to self: put in gong sound. gotta say inception was a pretty good movie yeah like maybe it wasn't overrated maybe but it was pretty good i think it was entertaining for what it was like i think i think that it was it was a movie that it is sort of like well sort of like dark knight um you know it's a movie that i that some people got really 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 excited about and uh you know and it was a big deal when it came out and everything um and uh and I watched it, and other people were like, "Oh, this is uh, not as good as this." But it's like, yeah, it's like for what it is, it's actually like you know pretty well done. Hmm. And it makes me excited for Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange has Inception looking special. So Doctor Strange looks really good. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. 
I did. I did drop his comic though. <laughs> I've been I've been reading it and it's pretty good. It's just uh, DC is being jerks and putting out too much good stuff, so <laughs> I can't can't always justify spending three ninety nine on books when there's other books out there that I want to read for two ninety nine. Right. And yeah, and also I have Marvel Unlimited, which so I can li- I can read Marvel books six months later. No matter what. Anyway, uh, so this episode starts. Uh, I don't. <laughs> yes, this episode starts on the Axelon. Get a shot of which the looks axelon. like a face. It sort of does on the top of it, doesn't it? I I never realized it until I saw. That. There's two shots in this that the Axelon from the top looks like a face. Yep. I'm wondering if they meant to do that because it, it, I don't know. It looks. Like a goofy, like it would almost be the sort of thing that you would expect to see somebody like try and draw a face on a sloth type of thing. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's like yeah. it's like can't it's... can't really tell. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Yeah. So if the guys at Mainframe did this intentionally, good on you. We if, and if nobody if nobody else has picked this up, then. You know, really good on them. Although I do have another question. There was one other thing I noticed, and I've got it paused right now. In the top left part of the ship, it looks like somebody's picture, like a headshot, is inside the hull of one, like in the top left section. Is that the window in Cheetor's room? I don't know. It looks like somebody's head, though. Unless it's like just coincidental. But it, it, it seriously looks like somebody stuck a picture right inside the hull. Mm-hmm. Almost looks like somebody with purple hair. So if somebody can like, you know, somehow manage to like remaster Beast Wars and Zoom and Enhance, and pull like that CSI shit, I would be grateful to know what it is. Because I could be way off base with it. <laughs> yeah. So we we get a shot of the the Axelon and it pans down underneath and we see. Uh, in the rock face, in the the sort of like the canyon underneath, it zooms into into this crack, and it's like this cave, and it sort of follows a path, and then it fades in, fades out, and we get a shot of Waspinator, Pterosaur, and the supposedly missing Black Arachnia. <laughs> so we found her. So it's it's like the easiest game of Where's Waldo ever. I think she just wandered off to make her new invention. That very well could be it. She might have, you know, was like, you know what? I'm going to do what Megatron can't do. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to make something. I'm going to just bust into their ship, and it's going to be all mine. It's but like, then she realized that that would cause physical labor to have to actually put it in place. So she went back. Yeah. And she wound up getting two <laughs> schmucks. <laughs> so give me the two dumb ones. <laughs> The the uh, expendable ones. Yeah. <laughs> so we we get Waspinator in. He's in his his beast form, trying to shove what almost looks like a giant tuning fork into a crack in the wall of the cave. And he said, "Waspinator, tired of this bomb fits hole. See." And then we get Black Arachnia, who corrects him, saying it's not a bomb, it's apparently a sonic emitter. So, hey, I was sort of right that it did look like a tuning fork for a reason. <laughs> so so the sonic emitter thing, yeah. I thought, seemed kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And then also, 
I realized, you know, isn't there a there, an energon thing between the maximal base and the Predacon base? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so so if you blew up the one base, it would blow up the other. But that's probably why she did the sonic emitter. Yeah. It wasn't going to necessarily blow up the whole base. It was just going to blow up, blow a hole in into the base. Make a make a little door right in the bottom of the base. Basically, because the shield is just a half circle, they were just basically digging under it. Is what what they were going yeah. for. <laughs> It's like, what, it's like what we'll get if the wall gets built if Trump is elected. <laughs> yeah, Canadian. Yeah, we'll, we'll just Canadian. tunnel under it. They'll build the oh. Uh, uh, you'll talk, you. Oh, you mean the 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 wall that he builds during his second term oh, yes, with Canada? Right. Yeah, okay. One that we'll have to pay for apparently. Yes. Yes. Yeah. With your taxes. Yeah. And your health care. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to take it out of the healthcare money to, to build the wall. Uh, but yes, so we we get Black Arachnia uh, correcting Waspinator about that it's not a bomb, even though as we'll find out later there there is an explosion. Not to spoil anything, but let's face it, it's a show where things explode. So, um. Waspinator's like spider can dig her own holes. <laughs> and yeah. So I'm just leaving that there. Um Megatron and Oh, doesn't she say doesn't she say that scene that she's soiled? Yeah, she's already been she's already soiled enough be, just being around the two of them apparently. So are they pooping on her? <laughs> I would hope not. I was thinking more of like she has sullied her reputation by working with them kind of thing. But that's being melodramatic. That'd be sort of like saying, oh, I feel like I'm getting dumber just being around the two of you. Yes. Yeah. Which is something she probably said earlier. That's true. <laughs> so now she's soiled and feeling a little dumber being around them. So she alludes to Megatron uh, told them to dig. And she's like, so start digging. And then she says that she is the brains of the group, not the brong. Which is funny, uh, considering, you know... She's, she's pointing, pointing a gun at a pterosaur. Yeah. Yeah, because pterosaur is like, he doesn't want to do anything either, because Waspinator, as it turns out, gets frustrated and decides to leave, because he's tired of this. So he she basically convinces pterosaur to start blasting the side of the wall with his I-beams. So we see his I-beams for the second time. Time, yeah. But not in a combat situation. No. Yeah, I think I just think his I beams are probably not that effective. Like, yeah. you know, there's it's it's just like, you know, it's 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 like tanks in Dragon Ball Z. Like, like there are the 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 military exists in Dragon Ball Z, hmm. and uh, and but but you know every time they show up, uh, they just get kind of shrugged off by the bad guys. It's much stronger to just shoot energy out of your hands. Yeah. Than, than you know than tanks, but it's, you know you could still you could still like use a tank to like blow a hole in the side of the mountain. So you could you use his uh, his I beams to blow a hole in the side of the mountain. It makes sense to me. Yeah, and actually it's funny because we did have a comment on Twitter, and I'm hoping that I'm going to say this right. Uh, Budgie Rigar Commissar uh, 
because I'm assuming it's because he listened in on the last episode, and he thinks that the reason for uh, Terrorsaur having eye lasers now is that Dinobot left most of his spare contact lenses on the dark side, and the Predacons <laughs> are trying them out. So, kudos to him. Oh my god. So, so it's like uh, Frylox yeah. uh, lasers. Yeah. <laughs> like you know out of lost lost his contact so he just has those pair of glasses that just shoot shoot them <laughs> that very that very well could be maybe they wound up stop using the eye beams because you know they hurt their eyes or something yeah it's it's a strain yeah one of them had or they just ran i mean or or i mean extending that you know they just ran out of the ammo that you know that they ran out of the the back stock yeah Oh, maybe they ran out of contact solution. Yeah, and they dried out. Yeah. Because, oh, man, so once... <laughs> and one of them just kept 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 them in, and they're never taking them out. I was like, I don't want them to dry out. It's like... <laughs> also, I was going to... I wanted to point out that I do like how Waspinator just goes off to sulk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just leaves them. He's like, screw you guys. <laughs> I'm out of here. So from here, we, uh, we cut back to the Axelon and actually inside the Axelon, and we have a little uh, hologram that's going on the table of uh, Megatron. And all of a sudden, we see him get wrapped up in these coils, and we start getting a description, and it says, Tangler guns target intruders with plastine coils. So I'm not sure what plastine is. I'm guessing it's some, something like plastic? Hard Maybe it's... Plastic? Maybe it's energy plastic. Yeah, that's the sense that I got. It It seemed very energy-ish. Yeah. So apparently these things are supposed to wrap around an intruder, and then there are stun guns and, quote, cyclotron fields, which set them up for the knockout punch. Then they say, Beasterbot, old Sentinel here, takes them down. So we get our first mention of the, the name of the new security system that they're making. So, Rhinox uh, men- mentions to Optimus, he said, you said make the base impregnable, so here it is. And Optimus seems pretty impressed. Asks him how long it's going to be before it's operational, and we get a uh, mention of three or four megacycles. Uh, yeah, what's a megacycle? I'm guessing it's supposed <laughs> to be like an hour, maybe? I don't know. I always thought like a cycle meant like an actual day hmm. at the at the most. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was. I mean, a lot of times you do talk about a. They refer to a cycle, and it's a day, and a mega cycle. Isn't that like a million? No, million well, cycles? if if the, if it's going by the by the metric going, system, yeah. But oh, there is an there's a note on the TF <laughs> wiki where it's like the measuring system used this week is dot 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 imperial. So, so I'm guessing it's not supposed to be. Uh, Metric Mega. I was going to say, is there any Imperial slash like method for measuring time? I'm pretty sure that's pretty standard, isn't it? Yeah, I think hours and minutes are are pretty much it. Yeah. Is it, could it be like, like the equivalent, like Hertz? Could a cycle be a Hertz, like a, because isn't a, isn't a Hertz, if you're talking about like, Computery terms, the amount of time it takes for the energy to go around the system or something. Well, you've got like the 
the measure of megahertz for like processing right power. right that's what i mean like yeah. like isn't but isn't there like a isn't that like if you break it down it's like a the time that it takes for the thing to happen of course no that doesn't <laughs> i think it's that supposed to do else. sort of like with calculations if i remember correctly it's been a long time since i was in college and was learning about this so so i'm sure somebody can point it out and correct me if i'm wrong or we can always check Google if somebody wants to check Google. <laughs> I was just checking, and apparently MegaCycle was once used for megahertz. Oh. Like megahertz is now preferably used, but it, but it was a uh, unit of frequency. One okay, million cycles googled, per second. I googled how long is a cycle, and I got the menstrual cycle, which is counted <laughs> from the first day of one period to the first day of the next. Isn't the same for every woman. <laughs> Menstrual flow might occur every 21 to 35 days and last two to seven days. For the first few years after menstruation begins, long cycles are common. Oh, my. <laughs> well, there's our education minute for the episode. Okay, but, but Jordan, you actually found what they meant. So, so it actually, so yeah. I was right. It, it is like, it is like hurts. So, yeah. so maybe that's how long it takes. It's got to do with how long. It's kind of like parsec versus parsec as a speed versus parsec as a as a as a uh, measurement of distance. Like it, it's like there's a certain amount of time that it takes for the standard uh, proto maximal hard drive to perform an amount of work, yeah. and that's translated to cycles. Okay, that works. That works for me better than uh, some of the things that they do. Better than saying that uh, that Cheetor has mapped the. Has mapped 500 <laughs> meters in every direction. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, from uh, from here, uh, we get Cheetor. Actually, speaking of Cheetor, Cheetor uh, is working a console apparently and gets a hold of Optimus to say that he's detected a Predacon in Sector 19. So we got our second numbered sector mentioned. We had Sector 12 last week, and now we have Sector 19 this week. And apparently it's a better looking sector than Sector 12 was. Well, you know, if you're going to go off and sulk, you know, you want a nice view. Well, that's true. Although I'm really, we'll get to it, but I'm kind of weirded out on exactly where the sector is located in relation to the ship. It's kind of weird. But uh, Cheetor uh, states that it, it looks like Waspinator on the scanner. And Optimus uh, makes mention that it's the third Predacon that they've spotted in that sector in the last three days. So he uh, he orders Cheetor to contact Tigatron and have him meet him at coordinates four five eight. So so yeah, we get some coordinates, and from there we cut back to which I'm guessing is Sector nineteen because we wind up seeing Waspinator floating around in the air. Uh, <laughs> talking to himself he's just flying in a circle yeah. like grumbling it's almost like the if you ever saw DuckTales how Scrooge McDuck had the the little pacing circle oh yeah the pacing circle yeah it sort of reminded me of that so he's like Waspinator sick of taking orders Waspinator is the greatest of the Predacons Waspinator rules <laughs> One day Megatron will see Waspinator is the true leader of the Predacons. Yes, he says that too. I was like, oh man. 
I was wondering if he somehow landed on his head this week. <laughs> so, uh, as as is sort of buzzing around in the air, uh, we cut down to the ground and we see Tigatron. So this is the first time that we've seen him since his introduction episode. And he's sort of wa- looking up, looking kind of exasperated, and he gets spooked because, as it turns out, uh, Optimus actually manages to sneak up on him a little bit, and he actually says, oh, not many are able to get the, the drop on me. So that was pretty cool. And apparently Optimus then says that you can learn a lot from Rat Trap. So apparently Rat Trap is teaching everybody how to sneak around. If you can stand him. Exactly. He adds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Optimus looks up and sees Waspinator and <laughs> He, one of the funnier lines I thought in the episode, he's like, looks like Waspinator's been on a sugar, sugar binge. <laughs> like, so how long has he been doing it? And Tiger Tron comes back with long enough to make my head spin. And you can tell he's kind of frustrated just watching him. You have to wonder if maybe like his cat instincts are coming through because, you know, it, it's like a cat that sees like a, a bug or like a fly or something buzzing around the room and wants to try and catch it. And he's like, oh, it's way up there, but I really, really want to pounce on it. Uh, and as I said, I just love how he just, Waspinator just has come to this sector to basically, you know, like air his grievances. It's, and the fact that they said this is like the third time this week, this makes me wonder if this is not the first time that he's done this. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Like this is his sulking, sulk, sulking sector. Yeah. So every time over the three times that they've seen him, that they've seen a Predacon out there, it's been him every time just going out there sulking more. He's tired of, of having to, to do all the heavy lifting. But yeah. So Tigertron asks him if he, uh, if Optimus wants him to bring him down, and Optimus is like, no, let's shake him up a little bit, see where he runs. So. Optimus winds up transforming and tells Tigertron to follow along the ground in case he happens to lose him. And so it's funny because from here, this is where the, the line I spoke of the candle said earlier about one day Megatron see Waspinator's true leaders at the Predacons. And just as he's about to say something else, we get Optimus sort of, pardon the Buzzing. pun, buzzes him, uh, <laughs> sort of has him go ass over tea kettle in the air as he like sort of flies up and, and smacks him. And of course Waspinator's like, oh, what happened? And we get this little sort of cute scene where Optimus is behind him and just sort of comes up and pokes him up, sort of taps him on the head. And he turns around and just completely freaks out. <laughs> like, Optimus Primal! So I thought that was a pretty uh, pretty cute little scene there. A little com- comedic moment. Oh, yeah. And then we get Optimus, actually, because he does, like, a little finger wave. little yeah. sort of finger wiggle. Yeah. And Waspinator freaks out and flies off, and Optimus starts chasing after him. And then we have Tigertron running through a jungle. Trying and to panting. Keep- yes. And then we get a picture of Catbutt again. <laughs> but from there, we, uh, we wind up cutting back to the Axelon, and we get a close-up shot of Dinobot's face as he is uh, sort of looking at the, the security system, and uh, he makes mention of Tangler's stun guns. What sort of defense grid is this? And Rhinox is sort of like, 
what's gumming your gears? And uh, Dinobot's like, those toys won't stop Predacons in battle mode. He's like, lethal threats demand lethal response. And funnily enough, uh, Rattrap is like, oh yeah, we'll respond to this chopper face. And he winds up getting one of the Tanglers to to shoot Dinobot and get him caught. Uh, and he falls over on his face. So it seems to work pretty good, although Dinobot is struggling a little bit. Yeah. I think I think and, if they hit him with the Tanglers, they should have then hit him with the stun stuff. Yeah, but I think he just didn't want to go that far. Yeah. Probably didn't think and that he, Dinobot would have reacted the way he did. Yeah, he thought he thought that was enough to make his point. Yeah. Not enough to anger him. Yeah. Which he really did. Because what we get <laughs> then get is uh Dinobot sort of freaks out and manages to break out of the Tangler, so you know, he maybe he did have a valid point in that the Tanglers wouldn't really be able to hold something that well. So he he breaks out, sort of kips up back onto his feet, grabs his sword, and immediately charges at Rat Trap. <laughs> yeah, point the sword point down, like he's not holding it up to like slash it downwards. He's like yeah. has it turned around so that he can basically just jam it into him. Oh yeah. Like the only the only thing missing was really like I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, I'm sure that's what the growl would translate to. Oh yeah. So, uh, Dinobot goes to, to stab Rattrap. Rattrap has pushed Rhinox out of the way, and then jumps out of the way himself. And so we get Dinobot stabbing the the console that they were just working at instead, and then he immediately gets zapped and thrown back into a wall. And another little comedic moment with his head spinning around with like a rattling kind of sound. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So from here, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what was said right after that. Because Rhinox and Rattrap have a bit of a moment where they're like, uh-oh. And then the lights go dark. And Sentinel's like, oh, intruder alert. And Rattrap's like, okay, show's over, Rhinox, shut it down. He's like, how? The console's junk now, thanks to you and Dinobot. <laughs> so, Cheetor runs in. He's wondering what's going on. And Rhinox is like, well, Sentinel thinks we're intruders. And we get a little scene of uh, holographic Dinobot, Rhinox, Rattrap, and Cheetor all showing up on the table. And Rhinox tells Cheetor to help Dinobot. And Rattrap's like, well, what about the friend or fro program? He's like, that's what I was installing when you pulled this stunt. So, perfect timing. You know, in retrospect, it might have been a good idea to do the friend or foe first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in any in any kind of, like, uh, security system that might have some damaging equipment. Yeah, probably those fail-safes <laughs> should have been done before some other things, yeah. Uh, you guys, just uh, just interjecting here, uh, I just realized that there was something that I was uh, that was on my mixing board that might totally screw up uh, the Skype call. Uh, I, you haven't been hearing echoes of yourself on your end, have you? No, I have not. Okay. Have not. Okay. I have no idea why you're not, because it should have totally been terrible and uh, constant feedback and uh, utter chaos the way that I had it uh, wired up. Um, I'm glad that uh, 
<laughs> still haven't figured out what was wrong, but I'm are glad you, that. Uh... Are you pressing a thing again? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because you see, the thing, the thing is, the way I had it wired, uh, my mic was supposed to be on the left channel and, or the right channel, and you guys were supposed to be on the left channel. Um, but the problem was that everything was coming out mono in the uh, in the recording, and so. So the way that I had it wired up, if everything was coming out mono, then everything that you were saying should have gone back through the Skype call, like in the same in the same uh, mix of yes. what my mic is. Yeah. Uh, but for yeah. some reason it didn't. So I'm <laughs> I don't know why that worked, unless maybe because Skype or something, or or it could be I don't know, who I don't, I don't know. <laughs> We'll find out once I listen to the recording again. <laughs> I just I, I I fixed it so that that won't happen. Um, at so if we have to re-record, it'll just be like the first half hour. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, again, my apologies by the way last week for the delay. I did manage to get it up Saturday. We just had some technical difficulties, mainly on my end. Everybody else was good, but yeah, mine sort of sucked. And yeah. Anyway. Anyway, getting back to the episode. Uh, so we wind up getting uh, everybody sort of freaking out. Rhinox is like, we got to get out of here. And Sentinel is talking about the defense grid being armed and ready and telling everybody to move. And Rat Trap uh, sort of goes off on his own. And we get this uh, cute little scene where He's like, Rat Trap, what are you doing? He's like, we can't abandon the base. And since I turned this thing on, I'm the one who's going to turn it off. And then he sort of quips about, oh man, I'm starting to sound like Optimus Pinhead. Optimus Pinhead. Yeah. He's starting to be more of a team player these days. That's true. So he jumps into a van (laughs) and we get uh, this really funny uh, sort of uh, Rhinox is like rat trap, <laughs> and it sort of zooms in on rat trap, and that's when it would have cut the commercial. So, but I thought that was a, a pretty funny thing because normally, you know, you get <laughs> Rhinox who's pretty sullen and yeah, quiet. he's very and pardon the pun, he's very animated. It seemed in at this point. Well, as we find out later, like you, you know, rat traps his buddy. Yeah. You know, like. Like a really close friend, he doesn't want to see him get hurt. Yeah. No, I thought it was uh, kind of touching, but we'll we'll get more on on that later. Um, but the scene cuts back to uh, Waspinator now. So when we would have come back from break, it would have, or actually, it wasn't even Waspinator. It was Tigertron first that we see. He he's sort of running along. I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It's like a ridge along along the mountain yeah. chasm. And I, I'm not trying to be mean, but the, the the surface of the mountain almost looks like something you would have seen out of like the desktop background out of th- Windows 3.11. <laughs> the, the rocks look terrible. We, we then get Waspinator sort of zooms by and Optimus is sort of right behind him. And we get this little scene. It's almost, almost reminiscent, I want to say, of Top Gun. And like like we had mentioned earlier, it's from Optimus' perspective. 
And so he's flying along sort of through these rocks, and it's kind of cool looking. And Waspinator goes around this pillar, and Optimus takes the other side, and then all of a sudden there's no Waspinator, and there's a big wall. And Optimus like <sighs> has this big gasp, and he manages to pull himself up, and then smacks into the side of a, of a mountain, sort of flips around a little bit in the air, and we get his... Uh, almost Wilhelm scream, you could say. <laughs> and he manages to correct himself, and then we get that view that Kendall that you had mentioned earlier about him sort of looking like you get the point of view from him, uh, from his actual eyes, and we see like the Cybertronic text and whatnot. But uh, then it cuts back out to him, and we see that he's experiencing an energon surge. So he lowers himself down and transforms onto that same ledge that Tigatron is now on. So, from there, uh, Optimus asks, did you see him? He's like, no, but I can still smell him. He's here somewhere. So that was kind of cool, in that uh, Tigatron certainly seems to be more in tune with his animal side to be able to like track him using his sense of smell. Although I'm not really sure. I didn't think that Tigers really were known for their sense of smell. Like I know, I, I sure. to some probably to some degree. I mean, not like maybe as much as other stuff. I mean, they have to because they do hunt. Yeah, that's kind of have to. But yeah, I don't know. I've got a basset hound, and I know that its nose is going all the time. It's outside. I just I never thought that a cat's was as good as that, but. I could be wrong. I'm wrong on lots of things, so... Don't tell my wife that I said that, though. <laughs> so, as uh, T- Tigertron sort of looks out at the landscape, uh, once he says that he smells him, and then we cut back to Optimus, and he gets a little message uh, saying, Maximal alert. Intruders have infiltrated the base. Sentinel now at level one. And Optimus is sort of surprised. He's like, Sentinel? And then Tigertron's like, who is Sentinel? And he's like, oh, that's our new defense grid. But it shouldn't be online yet. <laughs> so Tigertron uh, senses it might be wise for Optimus to, to go back to the base. And alludes to that he's going to hunt down Waspinator. And Optimus is like, yes. And he's like, something's going on in this sector, and I want to know what it is. And he's like, I'll send backup as soon as I can. I thought that this was a kind of funny exchange because after he says that, Tigertron's like, I need no help hunting Predacons. <laughs> I prefer to prowl alone. Out in the Arctic. Yeah. So wait, what happened to his buddy? Yeah, probably left him behind. Too warm down here. Yeah, that's true. So. You know, they don't have to be together like 100% of the time. Yeah, they're not that's joined probably. at the hip. Yeah. <laughs> They got a date tonight. <laughs> Maybe he just you know he just needed a day. You know, didn't want didn't want it to be too clean or anything like that. Yeah, I, I get it. I see how it is. Yeah, they're not like each other's stripes. Yeah. So anyway, we uh, Tigerfon goes off, and Optimus decides to transform back into his robot mode, and we get a little message from his sort of internal systems that says, excuse me, it says, uh, field dampers at 15%. So in, in that amount of time, 
he's so I guess that sort of answers a question for you, Kendall, that you had early on in the episode in that they when they go back into their beast forms they sort of build up uh like time, like a percentage to be able right. to it, it uh it recharges the energon dampeners. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So apparently they got up to fifteen percent, which was pretty quick. Considering you he experienced a surge and he was only transformed for like what a minute, if that? Maybe a cycle. <laughs> so the the little robot voice inside the robot suggests uh, transformation back to beast mode, and Optimus is like, "Well, have to risk risk it." And so he he turns his jets back on and says, "Maximum burn," and goes flying off into the distance. And uh, this is the part that I was a bit confused about. We opened the episode in a cave right below the ship. Yeah. Where the hell is he going? I don't know. Maybe like, there's maybe there's more than one entrance. Well, maybe. Maybe there's a couple of tunnel systems. Because, I mean, when you think about it, the one that Tigertron does find later, hmm. it doesn't... Ex- it's, it's being... Like, well, spoiler, it's basically being hidden by them. And the one we were shown at the opening was not hidden. That's true, but the the thing that I'm that I'm still curious about is, like, how far away is this other entrance? Mm. It actually probably is. Uh, well, it has to at least be enough that it would warrant having to want to use his uh, his jets. Yeah, but it might just be because he wants to get uh, from the ridge back to the top of the. Of the rock wall, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. His his whole trajectory was like <clears throat> opposite direction of what I figured he was going to be. So yeah. Yeah. But. Well, it, I think it is, if one thing this show teaches us is that their geography is all over the place. Yeah, that's true. So we we now have cut back to the Axelon. Uh, we get Dinobot, Cheetor, and Rhinox. They're all running away from the base. Uh, Sentinel has the, the auto guns out and it then activates the shield. So this is, the, I think, one of the first times that we really get the cool shield effect from Sentinel. And then we get Rhinox, who's trying to contact Rattrap on his communicator and he's like, slag. The shield jamming the the communication channel and strong shields yeah and of course Cheetor's like giga bummer sentinels locked us out (laughs) so so and it's like being locked out of your house without the keys you know it's just so annoying and of course we get a little quip from Dinobot saying apparently you've built a better mousetrap got a drink Oh. <laughs> Wait, are you saying we should take a shot because of the name drop, or are you just letting us know because... that you just got a drink? No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those, for those, for those uh, listening at home, I tried to set up a complicated thing on my mixing board, and uh, it's it's a little, it's still kind of distracting me because it's the stupid <laughs> board is not. It uh, you know it's like one of those things. It's like you kind of. You, you know, I'm trying to participate, but... 
And it is very frustrating. No, I was referring to the name drop. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that, it, I'm trying to still participate, but I'm also, you know, a little bit distracted. I apologize. No, it's okay. So from here, we've, we've cut back into the ship. We've got uh, a camera for the security system that's sort of panning around, looking down the halls. And it seems to detect something down one of the halls. And as it turns out, Rattrap is still in the vents. He's managed to open one of the, uh, the covers and is looking down the hall. Come above, just, just to make clear. Not like from the side or from the floor. From the ceiling. Yeah. yeah. He's looking down. And we get uh, this bluish liquid, which as it turns out, I believe, I'm trying to remember what he calls it. Uh, was it like no friction? Oh, yes. It was, it was zero friction fluid. I'm like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure somebody could have made a killing on that sort of a liquid. <laughs> For people, yeah. But. Eh, well, no, not if there's zero friction. You want a little bit of friction, yeah, I suppose. Just a little. <laughs> you like the speed jail in in uh, Portal Two. <laughs> so, I Portal Two. I played Portal One, and I really liked it. I never got around to Portal Two, though. So we we wind up having uh, Rattrap. He sort of makes a comment of, oh, come on, Rhinox, that stuff's strictly for amateurs. And so he tosses down the, uh, the sort of cover for the vent into this liquid and jumps on top of it, and he immediately starts surfing along the, the liquid. And we then get a sort of like an energy net that is shot across the hall that he's going down. And Rattrap manages to jump and flip over it in his rat form and come out fine on the other side, and there's no more liquid. So are you saying we just caught a scene of a surfing electric rat? Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> yep. God damn it. <laughs> so yes, Rattrap uh, alludes to... This ain't a security grid. It's a gym just for spy guys like me. <laughs> and just and as it's like a video game. Yeah, exactly. Looks better than some video games in that time, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it looks better than a lot of video games. You were badmouthing this episode's look earlier when I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, but, did uh, you see the rocks? But I don't know. I think this episode actually looked really good, like kind of across the board. I bad mouth. I, I've said things look like Windows ninety five, but I feel like these last batch of episodes they really have have upped the game as far as as far as detail and and everything. You know, I mean, for, certainly for the time, but even even like for now, I was thinking like, I mean, I don't watch a lot of. I guess I mean, there's like the super crazy, make this look super awesome CG stylized whatever but like if you're just thinking of like i don't know like madagascar or something like some kind of run-of-the-mill computer animated is that is that still relevant is madagascar still a franchise that's relevant i uh, i think a movie I just came out a year or two ago so yeah the, or the ice age fran- you know you know one of those that one of those sort of 
not Pixar. Yeah, no, Ice Age. Um, Ice Age just had a it's, movie come out yeah. this past summer. Ice Age: The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, or something like that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, you, you know, I mean, you know, like a, a random. If you compared, I would say that that the, the the look of these last few episodes like holds up against against the level of detail of some of those movies from you know like almost modern. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's not quite there, but like. The difference isn't as big as I would have expected it to be. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or maybe I'm like just a character model standpoint. I could definitely say, yeah, yeah. I think some of the some of the motion was a bit rough mm. compared to like the stuff now, but that's also because since that time we've had so much motion capture stuff done to be able to get a better understanding of it. Well, and I mean, yeah, and also like there was motion. There's motion. We actually do motion capture now, yeah. and I would assume there was no motion capture at the time. If there was, <laughs> the, I'm trying to think. What How mean? would you motion capture a surfing electric rat, though? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I'm just trying to think because I, when I went to college, I actually went to college for interactive technology and, and 3D animation was one of the things. And we did have like a small sort of motion capture capability. So you had like these really big balls <laughs> that you could stick on to somebody to do like a motion capture skeleton, but it was really hard. And that would have been back in 2001. So five years earlier, yeah. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like then. It would have been right, really yeah. hard. The first, the first motion capture I remember hearing about was um, around was around that time. You know, obviously I was not uh, in college studying motion capture, but um, but uh, like I was in you know in high school. I do remember the Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith video game for whatever the whatever the the, the home the home console whatever it was a probably PlayStation Two, yeah, or that you know PlayStation Two or the game. I remember that they specifically had a Hayden Christensen doing motion capture for the for the lightsaber dueling and that. Oh, that's right, they did. Remember that I was still, a big thing. I still love that little trivia tidbit about when they were doing the prequels and the the Phantom Menace. They had to constantly tell the the uh, was Liam Neeson and 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 then when they were were fine with the lightsabers to stop making the lightsaber noises. <laughs> That was I thought that was Hayden Christensen that that did that. I I just remember that like some t- point during the prequels whenever yeah. they were doing the fights that they had, they kept making the noise and they were yeah, like yeah, yeah. we we need you to stop doing that. I thought it was I thought it was Hayden Christensen that did that, but I it was it's I haven't seen those I haven't seen those DVD it, extras in quite a while. It, it might so just be an urban rumor at the, at the moment. At this point, oh, somebody had to have it, done it. it like, yeah, it was. I remember hearing. I definitely remember hearing an actor, and I'm, I, like I said, I'm pretty sure. I'm like eighty two percent sure that it was Hayden Christensen um, saying that when he first was given a, a lightsaber, he did by default make the sound. You know, <laughs> I, I, um, I watched those. I, you know, back in back in high school, I was, I was. I don't know if you guys knew this. I'm a bit of a Star Wars fan, and uh, <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, I uh, I watched the I watched the crap out of the DVD extras of Star Wars Episode Two and Star Wars Episode Three because nice. when I was in high school, I was like, no, Star Wars Episode One is terrible, Phantom Menace is terrible. The you know they didn't figure out what they were doing until until Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones is the best of the, um, which of course now I think of Attack of the Clones as the worst. Yeah, well, admittedly for me, uh, Episode One came out right around when I was like 15 or 16 so I saw it in theaters and then immediately wanted it on VHS and I had to wait like 5 months and I wound up ordering it through my work at the time I worked for a pharmacy and they happened to get movies and I ordered it through there and I was so excited for it and now looking back I'm like why was I so excited for a VHS copy of The Phantom Menace <laughs> I, I I will say I, I think that I think that the Star Wars prequels are are very unfairly maligned. I think that they were held to an impossible standard, and while they are flawed, they did expand the the Star Wars universe in a way that that like is just com- like even even if you're only looking at the at the movie universe, which I don't, I just don't. I see Star Wars as as a as a larger world. Yes, um, and the movies are just your first step into a larger world or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's the thing, like, it's like, I don't, like, I, I recently re- rewatched, or, you know, I watched all the movies last year to, before, to get ready to see episode seven, and it's like, you can't just watch episode two and then episode three and feel like you got that story mm-hmm. of the Clone Wars. You need to watch at least the, the Gendy Kar- Tarkovsky series, or, that one. or some, or the, yeah. or, or some of the, or some of the, the, and, like you need to see Anakin Skywalker as a uh, as a hero, yeah. In order to in order to understand yeah. the fall. From a whiny a whiny kid to the guy that turns to the dark side, yeah, yeah. But where were we? Was this show Beast Wars motion <laughs> capture? Yeah. So and actually, yeah, because I I almost skipped over one of the the funnier parts of the episode. So after Rat Trap. Uh, makes mention that it, it's not a it's not a security system. It's a gym. Uh, the system actually shoots a bunch of laser bolts at him, like slow moving ones, and we get him sort of doing like an aerobic jazzercise. Yeah. He's like one and two and stretch and bend and feel the burn and now lift. So and then he runs through runs through the door and then oh, yes. pops back and waves at the camera. So from there, uh, we cut back to Tigatron, who's still following a trail. And he's like, the trail leads here, and it's this wall in the cliff. Oh, hang, hang on a second. Let me just jump jump back to the jazzercise scene yep. uh, for one second, because I actually had a note. Um, if this was made like just a couple years later, he definitely would have been doing Matrix poses. Oh, and that. yes. This was, yeah. it, this was uh, dodging bullets. It was exactly the kind of thing that you would have in yeah, in like two thousand one, it would have been all, you know, it slow motion that that matrix, yeah, bullet yeah. time if that's what that's called. Yeah, yeah, I can see that being there. <laughs> I think it's better this way though, definitely better this way. <laughs> but yes, so with, with Tigertron, he he comes upon a a wall or what we are led to believe is a wall. And for some reason, he decides to put 
his paw out, and lo and behold, it turns out that it's a hologram. It's like, something's not right, and so sure enough, he walks through into a cave, and it turns out that there was a hologram that was being projected. And he's like, clever. So, he starts going down this long hallway in the cave, and we wind up cutting back to Rhinox, uh, Dinobot, and Cheetor, who are all firing at the shields of the ship. And they're like, well, we can't blast our way through. And something that comes to mind, this is, this is a security system. If, if they're attacking the ship, why is the ship not shooting back at them? <laughs> well, maybe that part wasn't also installed yet. I suppose. Maybe he it's only a- had the internal defenses set up and the shield. So- yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, like, what's the strategy of this of this thing? Like, it it locks down the ship, and and uh, and puts a shield around the ship, mm-hmm. and locks the intruder in. And it's supposed to be non lethal, yet it seems to be trying to kill Rat Trap. <laughs> like, I I don't know. It, it seems it's a little bit it's a little bit plotty. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's it's uh it's it does whatever the plot needs it to, but uh, that's okay because it's still. I, I I will say um I like I like when TV shows do the kind of man against man against machine kind of thing or rat against machine. I don't know, but like this sort of this sort of plot where like the person's going through the. It's a very it's a very Star Trek plot where you've got like one person going through the inner workings of the ship. In order to find the button to push, I mean it's it's so much of a Star Trek plot that they use it in Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a little weird, but we so we get the three of them after they've all been shooting. Uh, they finally start to experience an energon surge, and I was kind of surprised that they hadn't got it prior to this. But anyway. Timing what it is, they get an energon surge, and they have to transform back into beast mode. And timing-wise, as it turns out, Optimus has just arrived, and he transforms back in as well, and he's in the process of experiencing a, a power surge as well. So they're all back in beast mode, and he asks what's going on. Rhinox starts explaining that the intruder is Rat Trap, and that... Uh, He's trapped inside, and if we don't figure a way to deactivate Sentinel soon, he's toast. So, we get this sort of dramatic pause, and then it cuts back to, to Rat Trap. He's found, what, what, what would you say, is this sort of like a vent shaft sort of thing? Yeah, like like a, well, it kind of looks like a service elevator shaft kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like a Jeffrey's tube. If I'm to, if I'm gonna start, to, <laughs> well, start references here. But uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he he he's in this sort of just to sort of explain it. It's this long shaft. It's got a it's got a ladder in it, and there's these little doors, very reminiscent of the the start of the doors in the Star Trek Jeffrey's tubes that sort of open up. He jumps out misses the rung that he was going for for the ladder, and but manages to catch one as he's going down. So he catches it, and then we get Sentinel uh, saying, Intruder, you are required to stand down. 
Surrender immediately. Level 5 lethal force has been authorized by the central computer. So now we know that the security system is indeed, in fact, trying to kill Rattrap. So <laughs> they they get, uh, what does he say? It's a cryo, field, a cryo field appears at the bottom of the shaft and is slowly working its way up. And then there's sort of like, it almost looks like a crossbow uh, at the top of the yeah. shaft pointing down. Yeah, but, but on some kind of like wire... Uh, tentacle thing, honestly. Yeah, and it's got like these orbs that it shoots out, apparently. And uh, Rattrap's like, cryo feels in disruptor bolts. You really make a guy feel welcome. So he he uh, actually gets shot and is knocked down towards the cryo field and transforms midair. And it, it's kind of cool because he uses his feet to, to sort of brace himself and stop himself from falling. And he looks back up, and he's like, give it up, Sentinel, you don't have a chance. And he says, because I'm a stealth fighter, a master marksman, and... And then he pulls one of his charges out of his arm, and he says, a demolition expert. And then he throws one of his charges and blows up the gun. So, first off, if he's a master marksman, how come he can't hit shit the rest of the time? Unless he's shooting well, an optimist, like we saw in the last episode, he really does uh, not but, hit anything. But he was trying to miss when he was shooting that optimist. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> yeah, I I was just a bit uh, a bit surprised by that one. Maybe he's just hyping him himself up. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Got to try and stay positive on this sort of thing. So. So have I, I? I don't remember. I know that we've talked about uh, Rat Trap's uh, arm and his thing being a repl- <laughs> replicator. Um, I always, when I see it, and I can't remember if I actually made this joke or if I just thought of it in my head. I always think of the thing in his arm being the Room of Requirement from Harry Potter. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. I mean, I know. I know. Like uh, they actually that. The especially the charge that he pulls out right in this episode is kind of the standard uh, thing that he starts pulling out of there uh, when he does like demolition stuff more regularly. So like I don't know if if the after like this episode they're like maybe we shouldn't like keep putting stuff there. But there has been times when he's pulled what what like he pulled out a lockpick in the last episode from it and. In the hot box before, but but yeah, I I mostly remember him just throwing out demolition charges. Mm. Yeah, so he winds up shooting the the crossbow that or was firing he, the charge explode. Or yes, he hit. Yeah, he got it right, just right. Yeah, so he does that, and then three more show up, and it says implementing <laughs> level six. Shatterfields, and he's like Shatterfields. He's like, oh man, there won't be enough left of me to fill a teaspoon. So apparently, Shatterfields are really bad. I, although I guess the name would sort of employ because imply that Shatterfields. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's worse than lethal force. Yeah, apparently. So, Sentinel says, uh, you have been warned. Surrender now or face the consequences. 
I'm like, wait, why, why wasn't it letting him surrender before? And I think it just says that every time it, it ups the level. I suppose. But I, and, and yeah, and couldn't he just surrender and then it'd be like, okay, you're in jail now. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm thinking too. I'm like, well, if he surrenders, will, will it shut Sentinel off? I don't know. I don't think it would, and I think that's the problem. Like, he'd just be sitting oh, in yeah, jail. Because it thinks everybody's its enemy, because it, yeah. it doesn't have the, the thing that decides whether it's its enemy or not. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. So, Rat Trap uh, went up saying, I don't think so. He he winds up shooting at a couple of, of the, the crossbows, but one gets a shot off and knocks him down. He's falling and manages to catch himself again and manages to get into a... Uh, it's funny because he, he opens up one of the doors to another one of the tubes, tosses his gun in first, and then sort of rolls in right before the cryo field uh, would have hit him. Which freezes everything, but yeah, which freezes everything just in that uh, Jeffrey's tube thing. Despite the fact that he didn't close the door behind him. Yeah. Although he does make mention burr, if I don't want to be a ratsicle, gotta knock this cryo field (laughs) up now. So. So yeah, I thought that that was kind of funny. And then he's like, now I gotta get to the core and show this hunk of junk. So. We're pretty far into this episode. Do you guys want to take a quick break and then we'll get back to it? Sure. Sure, I'll take a break. Okay, (laughs) we'll take a break. We'll be right back. So, we're back now, and uh, we, we've we now cut to a scene back in the cave that we saw at the start of the episode, and they, hey, they managed to open up the crack wider for the uh, for the sonic emitter. And- oh, we, we skipped over the bit with Tigertron as soon as he came in, finding the little light bot. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes. Which is kind of what led him in this direction. Yeah, yeah. He as he's making his way through the uh, the tunnels in the cave, he can he he sees a light coming, and he's getting ready to sort of pounce. And the only thing I was I was expecting was a little butt wiggle. <laughs> but we didn't get it. I'm like it's not much of a cat without a butt wiggle. So. I like the. I like the. I felt like the uh, the the walking the walking flashlights. They were very like. It felt like something out of a Pixar movie. Yeah. yeah. Almost like the light I, that you see that jumps up on the eye in the Pixar logo. Yeah, I almost think was there a. They've been on a, before. A walking flashlight toy in uh, Sid's house in Toy Story. I don't know. I'm not sure. Because yeah. Which actually brings up a good point, Kendall, uh, as a connection, because they are usually these these little walker flashlights are associated with uh, tarantulas, like 
in a couple of scenes with him, he's had them around. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing spider bots can just spontaneously create walking flashlights. <laughs> or maybe Tarantulas is really behind it all. Did he send them to spy on Black Black Arachnia for him? I don't know if they can do that because apparently they don't care that a giant tiger is just following it. Uh, apparently. <laughs> so you're, are you are you suggesting that they're like baby spider robots? Like those are Black Arachnia's children? <laughs> <laughs> well, they've been in in the show before, so they would be both. Like both tarantulas and and black arachnia's kids, but not them being. The, so this is getting convoluted. Actually, actually, this kind of brings up a sciencey question. You guys, I assume, know more about science than me because I don't. Um, tarantulas is is a male character. Yes. Are male spiders able to like spin webs, or is that just a female thing? As far as I know, I, it's you, yeah, are able to. Yeah, okay. like I, yeah. I think it's only like something like mosquitoes, where like it's only the female that drinks blood. Hmm. I just like yeah, it's like mosquitoes or or like bees or lots of lots of bugish animals. Like the more the dominant one is the female, and a lot of the stuff that you think of, and I, I just I don't know, I think of spinning for some reason. I think of spinning webs as being a a female thing. Yeah. Although wait, if but they can't be their kids because if they're their kids, that would mean that they would have had to have made it. And if they made it, then Black Arachnia would have eaten Tarantulas. <laughs> hey, Tarantulas isn't in this episode. <laughs> so she ate enough of him to satiate herself. <laughs> oh, and then he. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he went into the uh, like the healing thing. Oh, so like she nice. bit his head off. But fortunately, his head is different from, like, the head in the robot form. <laughs> so he was able to go into the, like, get get better thing. I'm just imagining swarms of these light, light lightning spiders just going everywhere now. Oh, my. So, yeah, we, we get a little scene with Tigertron uh, about ready to, to attack this little light bug. Uh, and then it cuts to Pterosaur, Waspinator, and Black Arachnia. They're all in their beast forms, and they're sort of arguing about what to do because Waspinator's like, "Oh, we need to take care of Optimus," and they're, you know, sort of arguing about what they're going to do with it. Um, Tigertron uh, comes upon them, and he sort of qu- he's really quiet when he when he says "maximize," and apparently he can go into stealth mode. Like he actually says. Uh, maximize stealth mode. Yeah. So apparently they can do that. Apparently. Oh, uh, I, wonder, I wonder if it's just a uh, Tigatron thing. So, so yeah. we did, we did, uh, we did miss uh, another Star Trek reference. Okay. Um, oh. when uh, when Tigatron enters, because I, I just that reminded me, I had a note of the thing, but this is actually from a little while ago. Also, at one point, Cheetor said "Gigabummer." Yes. Yes. You probably did, but I probably wasn't paying attention. No, I'm distracted tonight. Yeah. I just I just opened up my notes because I remembered that there was a I had a note about Tigertron. But uh, when he enters the uh, when he enters the um, the thing and he goes through like the hologram 
looking thing to go into the mountain mm-hmm. totally reminded me of who watches the watchers the famous uh or famous i don't know the next generation episode where uh they're um investigating proto romulans and oh uh, yeah lady think once captain thinks captain picard is a god oh yes that's right and they wind up was it shoot did they shoot him with a bow and arrow or something like that. Yeah, or something. But uh, yeah, sort of messed it up, and then and, and then he like he like saves saves one guy, and so she thinks that he brought him back to life, yeah. and so she's like, "Well, can't you just bring my family back to life that died in the winter last year?" I was like, "I was a, I don't know. I feel like it was a key, whether it was good or not. It's a, it's a, it's an iconic uh, next generation episode." Yeah. And, it, and, it, and I mean, I'm sure that's not the only time a mountain has ever been hologrammed uh, to disguise the entrance. But I just I thought of that, especially since, you know, constant Star Trek references. That was one that was a little bit reaching. But um, when Tigatron does his stealth mode and then like runs across, uh, the note that I have for that is clank, clank. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you would think that stealthy. stealth would be like way quieter. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they're just maybe maybe the stealth mode is like the transformation stealth. itself, but yeah. not the actual. <laughs> yeah, because I thought that was kind of funny. I do like how he's like sneaking around though, yeah. like hiding behind things and such. And he hides behind like a vent of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, he sort of pokes his head up, and then the vent goes off, and he drops back down, and they look over, and like, oh, it was nothing. I'm like, that could have been like a Jedi scene. Could have been like, oh, and he's like, oh, did you hear something? Oh, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it was funny in that you know he's still moving around in this this big echoey cave, so you would have thought that they would have heard it. But you know, I suppose we have to have some suspension of disbelief. Because he's in stealth mode. It's just it's just like you could you could make him they could just make him completely silent. Yeah. <laughs> or he could have transformed after he got closer. Like he could have yeah. stayed in tiger mode. He was pretty quiet in tiger mode. What's but then the, he wouldn't be yeah, able to hide behind that pillar. <laughs> what's the advantage of of being transformed? Like I mean I guess he I guess he was able to be like I have a gun now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, ah, suckers, I'm going to shoot you all. Instead of, like, you know, pouncing on one of them or something. Although that could have been really weird. He could have bitten off Pterosaur's head, and then Pterosaur could have lost his head for the second episode in a row. <laughs> but we Such a missed opportunity. Uh, I know, right? Obviously, we should have been writing this show. Anyway, so they're they're arguing about what to do about Optimus, and they sort of allude to, well, Optimus is never going to find us, and even if he does, he'll be too late. The emitter is ready. So in fifteen cycles, in fifteen cycles, we'll be inside the maximal base. Which is funny because if they had gone in, they probably would have gotten killed. Uh, such weird timing. Yeah. So our plan worked, and then they get blown to bits. Yeah. So we we get a cool little scene where Tigertron sort of 
um, pops out from behind the pillar, and he's like, the only place you three are going is the slag heap. And he winds up shooting his gun and chases them off, and he winds up doing this cool-looking jump with a flip, and he lands on the wall and grabs the, the sonic emitter, pulls it out of the wall, and starts running. And Black Iraqi's like, he's stolen my invention! So... <laughs> So apparently she's the one who made it, and I would have thought that it would have been... So it's kind of weird. So she she's obviously pretty smart to be able to invent this. She's pretty knowledgeable fighting, and she tends to hold her own against everybody else. So Yep. Like, I, I can't help but wonder what, it, what would have happened if she had been a Maximal. Like, well, technically she is a Maximal. Well, yeah, with a pro- Predacon. With a Predacon shell. <laughs> but still, it would have been interesting to see, like, could they have, like, won the war really quickly if she had been on the other side, maybe? I don't know, because, I mean, she's on the uh, on the Predacon side, and she's not winning the war for them. Well, no, here's, really. here, here's the thing. If she was, if she was on, if she was on, if she would give a maximal... The Maximals would have seven. It would be seven versus five. Yeah. So I mean, they're they're they would vastly outnumber the the Predacons. They could be much more aggressive. Yeah. I think just just sheer numbers, and and also, yeah. I mean, if she's if she's got the potential to be smart, and then also, you know, not have the hindrance of being evil. Yeah. I guess it would actually kind of depend on if the Predacon shell program actually changed her personality. Like, if she was kind of like, you know, the character she is on the Maximal side, with, but still being, you know, uh, like, more benevolent and stuff like that, then maybe, you know, it would turn really quickly yeah. to their side. Yeah, but so. if she was actually more of a conniving kind of uh, Maximal that was kind of more selfish and out for their own that might have not done that much difference. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we will never know. Nope. So we, we get a, a pretty cool little chase scene down the hall. The the Predacons are shooting at Tigertron as he is going around a corner and we lose sight of him. The three Predacons wind up uh, looking around after they've gone around the corner like, oh, where'd he go? And he's like, I'm up here. And he winds up shooting, uh, he shoots a Terror Sword's gun, Waspinator's gun, and then he points at Black Arachnia. And she, she's like, it's not going to do you any good because that's going to, my invention's going to be going off in any minute now. And he's like, well, in that case, allow me to return it. So she freaks out, and they all scramble out, and then he sort of drops down from the ceiling where he had been hiding, and he transforms and starts running. And we sort of get this little charge-up sequence on on the, uh, the emitter. And the next thing you know, it cuts to the Axelon, and so it shows sort of like a... Like behind the Maximals, there's like this little plateau, and we get this huge explosion. So it, technically, it was a bomb. <laughs> so Waspinator was right. So there's this explosion, and it's sort of 
you, you see the rock sort of bubble and then collapse in on itself a bit. And Cheetor's like, jumping gyros, what was that? And then Optimus is like, let's find out. And then he shouts out battle. So instead of maximize, we get battle mode. And it's really not any different than anything else. They're all just, you know, they've transformed. Optimus has his gun out. And they start running for the crater that is there now, because now it's a crater. And they're all looking in to see what's going on, and there's some movement in the rocks, and we get uh, Optimus, he lines up his gun, ready to shoot, and then Tigertron manages to move the rocks out of the way while he's still in tiger form. And Optimus is like, Tigertron, what is this? And he's like, it's a long and very ugly story. <laughs> and Optimus is like, well, I want to hear it as soon as we deal with our other problem. And Tigertron is like, problem? And so we get a scene of the ship, and it sort of zooms back in, and we see the uh, like the maximal command center, and it's displaying another hologram of a room, and it turns out to be the the computer core for the ship. And so what's happened is Rat Trap's managed to make his way to this core room because apparently he needs to uh, hit some sort of big red button in order to. <laughs> So we get a bit of a, I guess not so much a, a duex machina, but, you know, there's a big red button that apparently fixes everything. I I don't know why they had to put the big red button there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and he, like, types in all the codes, this is, like, the four authorization, blah, 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 and it, like, and it comes out as a big red button. It's yeah. like, if it's a big red button, just, like, have him hit enter or something. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it's like, ah, oh, man, what was the security code? And he's like, what was it, Rhinox? And then he smacks the console. So the only thing I was thinking at the time was, okay, so the security con- the security code wasn't any key, like, key sequence. It was just hit the console. <laughs> Which is funny because you think right, of Rhinox. Right, and- it doesn't, but that it's like, yeah, that's actually like doesn't make sense because it's not that the security, that the, the, the that's, I was typing the right thing in. Why isn't it working? And then he hits the console. It was... He was like, what was the security code again? Oh, it was it was hit the console. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, a little, little bit weird. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought about it. You, ru- you just ruined the episode for me, Greg. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Suspension of disbelief and all that. <laughs> so... Yeah, we we sort of get before before the big red button, we get this little action sequence where Rat Trap is in his rat form and he gets to swing around on a wire, uh, hang by his of, tail. Yeah, he he gets shot and is nearly knocked off into like a cryo field, and he's saved by his tail. And uh, so he manages to to shoot one of the defense guns in the room, and he's he punches in the code. We get the big red button. He's about to hit the button. And then there's another really big gun that pops up, and it's another one of those sort sort of shatter, shatter. field projectors. Yeah. And so it's funny because the gun opens up, and it's sort of like in a stare down with Rat Trap, and Rat Trap's sort of like looking at the button, then looking at the gun, and then he goes to make a move for the button, and the gun sort of follows him. It's like don't do it, and so it winds up shooting Rat Trap ducks. And it blows up like this container behind him, 
and there's this big explosion and stuff like debris is flying all over the place and then for some reason uh like girder a girder from the ceiling falls down and drops Rattrap's legs wait i think it might actually be like a support beam that was by the container that got flown up into the air oh, okay like maybe it's very it's like there was i was just looking at the explosion and there's like oh like you know how there was like support beams on on the one side when he was running around the edge yeah it looked like that one of those was like right there at by the explosion oh, okay. so it might just be that oh, okay yeah that, that would make sense but yeah so it it winds up trapping his legs in a way where he's he's struggling to reach the big red button and the gun's charging up again. It sort of got him dead to rights. And he's like, ah, come on. And then Justice is about to fire, and he's like right about to hit the button. The scene shifts back to the outside of the ship, and the shield drops. And she was like, oh, hey, the shield dropped. And Ronix is like, oh, no. And he gets like his Eeyore sad face. <laughs> so we get sad Eeyore Rhinox again. And he's like, the only reason that Sentinel would stand down if there were, is if there was no intruder in the ship any longer. So everybody's sort of resigned to the idea that, that Rat Trap has been destroyed. And we get this touching little scene where Theodore's like, no, it, it can't be. It couldn't have been Rat Trap. And Optimus has this uh, funny little bit uh where he's like, he was a difficult maximal to deal with, at times impossible, but I'll remember him with honor. And I'm thinking to myself, no, you won't. <laughs> and I love how Dinobot chimes in immediately with like, I, you know, I'm not going to <laughs> yeah. like lie. Yeah, I'm not going to lie and disgrace his memory. He was a stinking, what was the quote? I made a note of it. He was a stinking omnivorous pestilence. And then he said, and still in some perverse way, I will miss him. <laughs> and then, then it cuts to Rhinox and he's like, sure, he smelled bad. <laughs> he was a rat. <laughs> but he was my best friend. And so from there, the, the scene starts zooming out. And then we get this little... Iris closed. Yeah, this little iris starting to close, and just as it's about to close on the group. Oh, did it, did you guys notice how Tigertron was sort of nuzzling Rhinox's hand? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, just cut me, I feel better. <laughs> so just as, as as the scene's about to black out, we hear something like moving, and then it the the iris zooms back out. And it cuts to the lift, and lo and behold, there's Rat Trap. And he's like, Ah, oh, don't stop now, you motorheads are killing me. And everybody's like, Oh, Rat Trap, how did you? And he's like, Avoid getting scrapped? And he's like, Well, it was no oil bath. But let's face it, ain't a defense system made, I can't get erect. And he's like, Right, Sentinel? And then the system says, Acknowledged. Like, Which this is this is the thing that that I don't get about the whole episode. I mean, I know it's got to be an episode, yeah. but he should have just been able to say, you know, rat trap override code blah blah blah. Yeah, and then turn off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, uh, they might have announced it in internally. They were outside. They didn't have the speakers that were in the ship. Yeah. Also, also, you know, they they really should have had more than one terminal. <laughs> yeah. Access it because <laughs> it's like you can access you can either access it from that one terminal. You can't access it from any of the other terminals in the bridge. Or you can go all the way into the the deepest the engine core, uh, <laughs> and then access it from that terminal. Like yeah. So, yeah. it only o- opens up when you hit it. Yeah. So yeah, that was the episode. So it was. So what what, what were you guys' thoughts on it? I it was okay. Like it kind of felt more of like a, you know, like just a f- like a fun episode kind of thing. Yeah. Like not not too heavy on like uh on uh on like any kind of the lore of the show that it sometimes has mm-hmm. and but it still had its moments and it did some nice characterization yeah. i mean we get a little bit more of uh black arachnia so so like you know we're finally starting to see her character shaping up yeah and you get more tigertron too which is a nice thing since he was uh, absent uh, the last episode. That's true too. So Tigertron's cool. I I yes. like he's definitely cool. Like I'm glad he's he's a cool character. He's not like a, a letdown. Um, but uh, at the same time, if I was going to rewrite the episode, I would spend even less time with the B plot, if if any, and and focus on. Uh, rat trap inside the ship and the maximals maybe trying to trying to get him out so maybe shift um, so that there wasn't the the b plot of of the the predacons trying to get right. into the ship but maybe maybe you could have rewritten it so that the predacons were the reason for sentinel activating yeah or just not or just not even have them like i i really liked the i really liked the 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 rat trap plot and and I, like it almost it could have been a it could have been a bottle episode, even though it's a cartoon. So that doesn't really it's not really the same thing. But or I, I mean, you don't really have bottle episodes in cartoons necessarily, or for not not for the same reasons anyway. Hmm. But I really I really did like the, the ride trap going through and see you know seeing him and um I I all I would have because if you'd have had a little bit more time if you'd have been able to spend a little bit more time with just him. Like he could have done like a a scene where where like some some obnoxious you know some obnoxious defense program attacks him and he's like and he like curses Rhinox for writing the writing the program or something like that because that's kind of the that's the kind of thing that's the kind of thing that was a little <laughs> bit missing but overall this was like one of the I feel like this was one of the better episodes it, it uh yeah I I like I liked it a lot. I found it was a good self-contained episode. Um, of course, it didn't really add much to the lore, but I thought for the for the most part it was a pretty entertaining episode, and it definitely had some some good funny moments to it. Like Waspinator sulking corner. Exactly, Waspinator sulking in sector nineteen. I do think it's really odd that the black arachnia is missing thing wasn't wasn't followed up on it. and I almost without having done any additional further research I almost wonder if that's why the episodes were reordered on IMDb if they if there's if maybe in the next few episodes they follow up in a way that makes more sense 
That could be. We'll have to definitely uh, keep that in mind. Yeah, and the thing is, is that uh, Black Arachnia kind of seems to be like, a, well, and I don't know if it's because of just the fact that the it's the two spider bots that are like this, but she seems to be like espionage and stealth anyways. Mm-hmm. So her just walking, wandering off is just her doing her own thing sometimes, which mm-hmm. obviously Tarantula does a lot. Like I mean, I bet you, I bet you, he never mentioned uh, the whole thing with Cheetor and Rat Trap under underneath the ship right. there. Like he never, like he comes in and he's like in the repair bay. And he's like, "Man, what happened to you?" He's like, "I fell down some stairs." <laughs> A lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That 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 wouldn't um that wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, they may be, they may be saying it was just like, it really seemed like, especially since it was this brand new character and then she walks off in the middle of the fight and he says, um, lost, blah, 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 um, and a missing black arachnia, blah, 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 whatever he said. (laughs) Like, it it really sounded like the next episode, it was going to open on black arachnia wandering off and having an existential crisis or something. Yeah. Well, to be fair, though, Megatron might have just been rubbing it in, you know? Like, he was just basically saying how terrible everything fell to pieces with him in the lead and basically, you know, just making a big deal out of her stepping away. Yeah, I I mean... (laughs) Like, five minutes later, she walks back and she's like, I didn't go anywhere. It's like... I mean, I guess, I guess that kind of makes sense. It's just in the context of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it seemed like they were going to follow up on that plot thread, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least not yet. Yeah, yeah. there was the episode. Um, we do have a few questions this week, which is awesome. Yeah, we actually got our first one on email uh, from Dallas. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's, this is how he wants to pronounce it. He wants it. It's Dallas thirteen thirteen two thousand two. I'm not going to finish the rest of the email so that nobody can pester you with spam and whatnot, because I don't want to be the source of you getting spam messages. But uh, his question is, where on earth is Beast Wars supposed to take place? Now, he he does make some additional comments, and I don't want to... I'm fearful to read them, because I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's actually watching the series who hasn't seen it in a while. Uh, But he does make mention... He does make mention of a couple of locations. Um... Which are kind of spoilerly, spoiler, spoilerly, uh, in that it can allude to some stuff. Uh, so we'll we'll hold off on that. But he does make mention of a couple of specific locations, and he said that it's been on his mind for a few years. Uh, but he's just looking for our opinion on it. And so, uh, firstly, it's the Earth with two moons. So yeah. things are so different. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's the that's the the answer to me. I mean, clearly, clearly it's yeah. not. And even if it is like Transformers Earth, mm-hmm. and in Transformers Earth history there were two moons and whatever. Uh, I mean, you know, the the Transformers lore has something to do with moons. I assume there was that Mar- Michael Bay movie Transformers: Dark Side of the Moon or whatever it was called. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was I just mean, the know, one moon. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like you know, maybe I, I, I think it's pretty. It, it just is pretty clear that even if, 
even if it's supposed to be Earth, um, it's it's not the same Earth as us. And so I'm like I, that. Of all the plot inconsistencies, the the location of what part of the planet it's supposed to take place just doesn't. I just don't like care. It's just it's it's just a. <laughs> Like I don't want to say I don't want to say oh it's just a show it's just a fake thing, no I mean it's I mean it's it's a it's a real story and you can have continuity in it and stuff it's just like I wouldn't assume that the ge- the geography of this fictional planet is the same as the geography of Earth. Yeah, and I think we've gone into like I've mentioned what from what the TF Wiki says quite a few times that. The geography, like if you try, if you're actually like actively trying to pin down distances and places, it's kind of all over the place. So and and like it's it's not it's very hard to say like they're here and the, their ships are he- like if this was like you know uh, some point in in uh, Earth history and not just not just Earth with two moons. Like like they said, like they mentioned, like some of the wildlife in the first one seems to put them in somewhere near where North Africa would be, or or there's times when it looks like you know it's uh like early or like late Pangaea and some of the continents are still together, uh, but then you know you get a thing where they go north for maybe like an hour and suddenly they're in an Arctic zone. So yeah. I've got a theory about that that's sort of. T- I'm going to touch on that towards the end of the the season. I, okay, I, I have a theory. I won't get into it quite yet. I'll wait till the end of the season just to get into it. You think they're in Canada? Because in Canada, at any point, you can go an hour north and there's snow, right? Well, yeah, of course. In Canada, we just we just say wait 15 minutes and then you'll have weather that you either want or don't want. So. I'm pretty sure just about everyone says that because we say that in Ohio too. And when I lived in California in Los Angeles, they said it there too. So yeah. <laughs> those are pretty three pretty distinct climates. No, our, the weather is pretty consistent in in Pittsburgh. Depressing, <laughs> gray. Sad. I feel bad it, for Pittsburgh now. Yeah, it is actually a thing that you know we weren't. I we warned other people about that it the skyline can get very depressing during during the the, the weekdays. So either you need one of those like you know SAD lights that simulate sunshine, oh, yeah. or or you you need to keep it that in mind and and, and plan for it because because if you're if you're uh, if you're prone to just that having affect you, it's you don't want to be there for too long. Oh, I'll keep that in mind if I ever visit Pittsburgh. But but on the other hand, if you ever visit Pittsburgh, I don't know if they actually filmed the Dark Knight movies there. Yeah, actually they did. The, okay. I, I remember. Well, I wait, think I, there was I, I, they, they, which which one's the one with Bane again? That's the third. Uh, yeah, Dark that's the third one. Yeah, yeah. Dark. Okay, that that's the one that they they filmed in in Pittsburgh at least. Yeah, because I've driven over that bridge before. It's like the bridge, and I'm like, that's that bridge. Yeah, and, and even and even like even just like even whether it technically scenes that I'm thinking of were shot there or not, like it very much that to me is like a. I mean, because Gotham's supposed to be like in a, a northeastern industrial <laughs> city. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very reminiscent of Pittsburgh. 
So you can just if you get dark if it's dark you can just be like yeah I am the night. <laughs> plus I'm plus you have, have you guys have the O, which is which is like I've I've like seriously like it's not quite a good enough reason to drive four and a half hours just to get a hot dog, but like <laughs> oh I've 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 been like sorely tempted to do it a number of times. Well, there's also, uh, you know, Kennywood down in Pittsburgh, and that's that's not a bad, uh, like, amusement park. Well, the pro- well, first of all, I mean, the problem with that, though, is that I live in Ohio. Yeah. So I have to drive past about eight amusement parks to get to that one. Yeah. Also, I haven't <laughs> been to an amusement park in a long time. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose that's true. It's just like it's just like it's just it's just it's it's just far enough away for me that I can't quite justify driving all the way there just for a hot dog. <laughs> but oh man, but if you're ever in Pittsburgh, who cares about those Pramani brothers? <laughs> you gotta go to the O. Aw. I'll have to keep I took my mind. I got excited about the Pramani brothers because I went to the right one. Um <laughs> yeah. And and then I I took my friend and then I went with my friends to see Jonathan Colton and I was like yeah we got to go to Bramani Brothers and we went to like one that was like on the outskirts of town it was like a franchise of it and it was yeah. not as so and just just for those who are not used to Western PA uh, Bramani Brothers are a chain of restaurants like originally started like a like there was only one or two but then they kind of franchise and sold it off so there's as as kendall was saying the you know the real one and the franchise one so it's like one privately owned still by them but they basically uh are famous for making these great like i guess like corned beef and hash kind of like sandwiches but also and other such sandwiches but with coleslaw and the french fries in the sandwich so like you know like you no, it's it's. I've had them and they're really good. Like they, uh, like depending on the kind you get, like you can get roast beef or or things like that. But it's basically like getting a deli sandwich, and instead of having the fry and coleslaw on the side, they just put it all on the sandwich. And and keep and also this is this is Pennsylvania coleslaw, which yeah. is different than coleslaw anywhere else. It's a more vinegary, yeah, uh, and almost almost like sauerkraut. Yeah, uh, I'm more of a creamy. A creamy coleslaw type of guy, but also you can get it without the coleslaw, which yeah. is is perfectly that is a perfectly viable option. Or you can get the coleslaw on the side, but it's a very like it's if you go to the right you know if you go to the right one, oh. <laughs> if you go to the real one, it's like a really really good deli, and the fries are yeah. like really good. And it's it's a a, sl- a sort of unique experience. If you're in Pittsburgh, you can do that. But also the O is the best hot dog you'll ever have in your life. Um, so I'll have to keep that in mind. If you're ever if you're ever visiting Carnegie Mellon University or something. <laughs> well, someday I'll be down that way, I'm hoping. So if so, I will make sure to remember that. So we've got a, a second question. This one's coming to us from the, the Facebook group. And I'm gonna apologize for the, if I mispronounce the boss name, but it's David Mamaw, I'm assuming. And David asks, which Maximal or Predacom would you want as your roommate? Well, currently, like from what from just the characters that we have been seeing so far, mm-hmm. I'd probably like Rhinox yeah, because he seemed dependable and 
useful. I mean, maybe every once in a while things would pile up with like with, with something he might be tinkering, mm-hmm. but it's not like he it, he would purposely do, get in the way and you know you just just have to be careful and step around it or mention it and you'd be like oh sorry and this he would move it out of the way. Yeah, yeah, I, I get the impression that he would sort of clean up after himself a bit too. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Rhinox would be would would be a very good keep to himself uh, cleanup roommate. Yeah. Um, however, I'm partially just to be different because I, we can't all say Rhinox. No. But <laughs> oh, I mean, I think that's probably that's, that's not that interesting. That's probably the correct answer. But the other Maximal that I think would make a great roommate is Tigatron because. He would be that roommate that you have that you never ever see. He's never home. <laughs> he's either always he's either always working on a completely different schedule than you, and you like sometimes see him crash, or he's got or he's like he's he's uh, you know uh, like staying at his girlfriend's house every night. Or he's stuck I, alone. <laughs> well, yeah, he's out brooding. Yeah, but but he's but he's the guy that you know he's the guy that you like have. You share a two-bedroom apartment that's got like a a really really basic living space and a really basic kitchen, and for the most part, you really should just stay in your rooms the whole time. But because he's never there, you basically get the living space to yourself, and for and he and he doesn't have any food at home because he always eats out. So, <laughs> so he so you got like the whole fridge to yourself. I think I think it's a pretty good I think it's a pretty good setup. Plus he's never he's never there, so he's never making a mess and you know leaving it or whatever. That's true. Yeah, that that's a, yeah, that's a, yeah. Off try, always off trying to trying to find his identity circuits. <laughs> find himself. Yeah. So our final question uh, comes from Twitter and uh, the teens with Tood uh, Twitter handle. Uh, asks, we all know about Michael Bay's Transformer movies, unfortunately. Uh, he asks, <laughs> who would all you all like to have direct a theoretical Beast Wars movie? Um, and we were talking about this like before we started yeah. earlier today, and like I said, I was looking up some information, and like I think the top name I came up with that seemed, that might be good is. Uh, uh, I'm going to probably say his last name wrong, but uh, Paul Feig, Feig, yep. and you know the the guy who directed the recent uh, Ghostbusters uh, revamped the 2016 one, and and I think like with him and maybe like uh, someone from either Boom or the who's been doing the IDW Transformers comics comics to do a screen screenplay. I think like the two of them working together would kind of just do a really good version of the sh- of the of the show like a a revamp or something. Though I don't think it would be good as a movie. I think it would be better as like a like a TV movie. Yeah. So for, first of all, in that would would you, would you be on board for an all female uh, Beast Wars? Well, maybe if it was completely gender swapped, that'd be kind of interesting. So, Black Arachnia would be a dude instead of instead of a woman. <laughs> a black hmm. widower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't I'm know. Not... I don't know. Um, I, I think I think I think that you have you have a good. I I don't disagree. <laughs> um, I was thinking though, you know who would you know who would be because I, I was I was thinking like the thing I like about the beast about Beast Wars is you have two clear factions. Mm-hmm. So that was actually like among you know among other things. I I recently rewatched the first two Michael Bay movies. Um, and the thing that like the most unforgivable thing about them to me is that they're not about the Transformers. They're about, you know, they're about the Shia LaBeouf's character and the, and the, all the different armies and things and stuff. But I feel like Beast Wars, like there's no people in Beast Wars. It's just this, this group and this group. And so I was thinking like, who would, who does a good job of sort of, um, like, like the two factions interacting with each other. Um, and I was thinking, you know, what would be cool is if Aaron Sorkin did it. <laughs> I just, I think that'd be, that'd be an interesting, cause it's, cause it is so, I mean, I mean, in spite of, in spite of the fact that they're robots, that transform and stuff, I mean, it really is a character driven show. Yes. Very much and he so. does, he does a really good job of, of, uh, having characters and showing different points of view and things like that. So I think, I mean, obviously he would never do it because it's not like anything he would do before. And he would have to have, he would have to have people behind him that were like, this is how action movies work. But, uh, but I mean, I think he could do a good job. I also think, um, I also think Joss Whedon, especially uh, if he had, Oh, I got it. I got it. So, Joss Whedon directs with a script by Nick Hornby. That'd be interesting. I always like Nick Hornby's uh, Nick Hornby, who wrote uh, High Fidelity, among other things. Okay. That actually, no, Nick Hornby wouldn't do a very good job on the script. I take it back. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I just thought of a different actor. When we were talking about it before we started recording, I was actually going to go with the Russo brothers, the ones who directed Captain America: Civil War. And- are directing all the new stuff for Marvel. I'm changing my mind. And the reason I'm changing my I'm sticking with a Marvel director, but I want James Gunn to direct a Beast Wars movie. The guy who mm. directed Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you know what I see? Yeah, I see that working. Yeah. Because he's got some CGI experience with, with Rocket and Groot. And that movie, it, I found that it, now that I think about it, it had a very similar... You know, it didn't take itself too seriously, but it had a lot of good action mixed with humor. And, and yeah. it had an undertone of a of a. There was a serious plot to it. It just it had it had fun with it, and it had an, yeah. I, I yeah. Was, um, also, I think George Lucas would do a good job. <laughs> just you know, uh, maybe. Although he he'd probably try and you know. Insert some some stuff into the lore there. I think <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong. I don't know. I, well, I, don't, I don't know if George Lucas would insert stuff. In the lore. He would actually probably what would happen is George Lucas would would uh, take an executive producer credit. He wouldn't direct it, um, and he would he would bring in other people to kind of to kind of work with him. Because um, I don't because it's not Star Wars, so he doesn't feel the need, he wouldn't feel the need to do. Absolutely, every little you know have every, every little bit of control. Yeah. Um, so, like you know, he might bring in Steven Spielberg. 
Oh my god, a Steven Spielberg-directed <laughs> Beast Wars movie. That, I mean, that could, you know... I mean, Steven Spielberg's a good director. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah. So yeah, there, there, there's our answers to your questions there, folks. And you know what? And you know what? I also, I will say, I think that uh, uh, Zack Snyder would do fine. I think that uh, uh, Beast Wars has enough dark it's sort of it's it's dark the source material is dark enough that i feel like Zack snyder wouldn't feel the need to make it even darker um and he might he might actually trust the the source material like he did with watchmen um which uh i don't care what anybody says i really like watchmen especially the four hour (laughs) version i don't know if you guys have ever watched the ultimate seen the four i don't think yeah i don't think i've seen the four hour it's it's so good. I mean, I don't, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the source material, but man, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's. I mean, it's, it's so good. Like, does he? I mean, have it, a giant squid blowing up New York instead. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have that. Which I, I mean, you can't, you can't critique, you can't critique uh, Zack Snyder for, for being too true to the the source material, but then complain that there's not a giant squid blowing up at the end, and instead <laughs> he has an ending that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, his, his ending definitely made a lot more sense, but, uh, it, or, I mean, not that the squid doesn't make sense, but I mean, it, for the, I, I think it, it made the same point. It made the same point, but in a way that made more sense in this context. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah he did, I think he could do, but I think he could do beast Wars as well, because I think he would, he would respect the source material in a way that maybe he doesn't understand, uh, Superman or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Could always hope. Yeah. Also, I could direct a Beast Wars movie. I'd do the best one. <laughs> there you have it, folks. The answer straight from our mouths to your ears. <laughs> so yeah, that's been this week's episode. Uh, next week, I'm just going to take a look here. John will be back with us next week. And uh, we shall be, I believe it's Guerrilla Warfare that we're going to be reviewing next week. And then after that will be the probe. So so if any of you want to f- watch along, if you've, if you've got the Beast Wars DVDs or you have some means of being able to view it and you want to watch along, we'll be on the episode for Guerrilla Warfare. But yeah, so it's been a week. Uh, for do, do either of you guys have anything you wanted to plug this week? Mm, nothing in particular. I think most of the things I plugged before are still going on, but they also are, you know, just still going on enough that I don't have to plug them right now. <laughs> um, so, so uh, at K Hallman on Twitter, that's K H A L M A N. Um, I retweeted some stuff the other day, um, and. Uh, and uh, we're uh, what Warren Beast on Facebook or something? Warren Beast podcast on Facebook. <laughs> yes. And I, apparently, I gave out the wrong email address last week, so I'm not going to give out the email address. Oh. I thought you did a very good job of it. <laughs> of giving out the wrong email address. Well, it was even if it was wrong, it was it was still a good attempt. <laughs> but yes, if you if you want to reach us, uh, we are on Facebook. The Facebook.com slash group slash War and Beast Podcast. Uh, we're also on Twitter at War and Beast Pod or at War and Beast. And then if you want to send us an email, like we got tonight, which is our first email question. I'm so stoked about that. Um, yeah. 
our, our email is warmdspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, as always, uh, please feel free to support us by visiting audioentropy.com uh, network. We've got a bunch of podcasts that have just come out, also a few that are still in the pipeline and haven't been put onto the site yet that are in the works. Uh, but we've got uh, the aforementioned Teenagers with Attitudes, sort of like the flagship, uh, which is a rewatch of the Power Rangers uh, series. They just started. And, I think there are three episodes into season two now. Yeah, and the latest bonus episode was talking with one of the comic creators. Or oh, yes, where, the, was it? Uh, one of the, the writers for the, the uh, comic, Power yep. Rangers Pink miniseries that's going yeah. on right now. Yeah, we've got and it was a, a good interview. It was a yeah, it was. interview. Um, we've had a lot of positive reviews uh, with regards to that. We, we've we got uh, HM96, which is a Pokemon podcast, uh, the Digital Moncast, uh, Let's Plays, which is Kendall's favorite podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the others now. Uh, totally Reprise, obviously, that's an, another huge one that's, that's really, really good. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. Oh, definitely. Uh, like, it's one of those things where, like, I remember Totally Spies, but I didn't really watch it that much. Mm-hmm. And now, like, looking back on it and like lis- and watching the episodes again and wa- and listening to the podcast, I'm like, wow, yeah. just every episode is just, <laughs> uh, it's a trip. And then, of course, we've got the uh, we've got the two Let Me Tell You About series. We've got Let Me Tell You About Evangelion. And let me tell you about Homestack. And both of those are really good, too. So if you guys get a chance, please feel free to visit audioentropy.com. Bunch of podcasts. And like I said, there's a bunch more that are that are going to be getting posted there soon. Uh, so, yeah, that's been that. If, uh, if you guys want to make any comments, we're on iTunes as well. We're on Google Play now. Uh, please feel free to rate and review or subscribe to the podcast. We love any feedback that you guys want to give we appreciate it so for this week uh for warren beast i have been greg i've been jordan i've been kendall that's been a week folks let's roll ah the true leader of the warren beast podcast (laughs) i don't have a quote this time